0: To a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations.
1: (laughs) We all want to be happy. As parents, we want the same for our children, but are we after the wrong thing? It is interesting to note that even when we attain happiness or contentment, it is usually temporary, especially if we associate it with acquiring something. In the end, the reward is short-lived. Continuous pursuit of happiness may also lead to a cycle of pursuit, short-term reward, and then back to pursuit. In addition to being unfulfilling, it is ultimately exhausting. And it can lead to disappointments and frustrations. Research suggests that this is true, but what might be an alternative that could be more effective? Valeria interviews Dr. Wallace K. Pond. He is the author of The Lights Are On, Is Anybody Home? Education in America and Leadership in the Real World, Hard Won Lessons from 20 Years as a Chief Executive in Turbulent. Dr. Pond, founder Idea Pathway, LLC, the Transformation Collaborative, TM, and Life Worth Living, LLC. He has been a mission-driven educator and leader for over 30 years. For the last 20 years, Wallace has been a senior leader in higher education, holding both campus and system-level positions overseeing single and large multi-campus and online institutions of higher education in the U.S. and internationally. He has served as chancellor, president, COO, CEO, CAO, chief academic officer, and board member, bringing exceptional value as a strategic servant leader through extensive experience and acumen in strategic planning, transformational change, change management, crisis management, turnaround, organizational design and development, P&L, human capital development, innovation, new programs and deep operational expertise among other areas of impact. He has recently added psychotherapy to his practice and provides counseling services as an LPC intern under supervision. Wallace began his career as a high school teacher and adjunct professor and spent six years in the elementary and secondary classroom working primarily with at-risk youth. He was also a public school administrator and spent another six years as a full-time professor and administrator in the not-for-profit higher education sector working in both on-campus and online education, bringing education to underserved students. Additionally, Wallace has over 15 years of executive private sector experience, creating a unique and powerful combination of mission-driven and business-focused leadership and insights. Meet Dr. Wallace at ideapathway.com. Here's the interview with Dr. Wallace K. Pond.
0: In your awards, who is Wallace Pond?
2: Yeah, so that's a really um, interesting question at this point for me, Malaria, in terms of, you know, if you had asked me that question even four or five years ago, the answer would have been quite different um, than it is today. Um, uh, I, you know, I'm, I like to say I'm closer to 60 than 50 Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) in terms of how long I've been alive, how, you know, how old I am. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been one hell of a journey for, you know, almost 60 years. And, um, so kind of who I am is really different, not just from 30 or 40 or 50 years ago, but even from three or four years ago, I like to refer to my, in my LinkedIn, profile, I refer to myself as a recovering executive.
0: Yes, (laughs) I
2: I spent many, many years um, in really formal organizational environments, um, educational, higher education, corporate environments. Um, And I, you know, for a long time, really fit that kind of classic Western mold of, you know, the successful um, person, you know, in terms of, work success and and financial success and all of that. Um but unfortunately or fortunately actually I need to say fortunately um a few years ago I just kind of hit a wall. Um and I had just lived too long. I had lived too many years uh in dissonance with you know what I was doing versus what I wanted to be doing. Um, and too many years where, you know, I invested blood, sweat and tears in things that mattered to other people more than they mattered to me. Um, and so this idea of who I am um, is really profoundly different three years, you know, three years ago versus now. So I got to a place where I, I really had to do some deep, deep personal work and. Um, and as a result of that, and I was forced into it. It wasn't voluntary. I, I hit a wall really, really hard, um, and it was a great wake-up call. It was a, it was a blessing in a way. Um, and so, uh, you know, I used to identify myself, my validity, my success, my um, self-worth were really tied up in external things. Um, you know, status and professional success and money and all of that. Um, and that worked until it didn't. <laughs> right.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: and uh, um, and so now you know the person I am. Uh, you know it, it. And 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 there was kind of some rough spots there where I you know that dissonance was was overwhelming. Um, uh, you know, and really had a significant impact on my mental health. Um, and so now I'm really a person. You know, my identity is tied up in. Um, my relationships—it's tied up in, um, you know, the 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 benefit I bring to people around me and and to the world. Um, and and you know, a real tangible example of that is, you know, I went from the C-suite to uh, going back to school um, for the fourth time um, to train as a mental health counselor, clinical mental health counselor, and I'm doing that work now, um, and. Uh, you know, it's not about, um, how much time I invest, you know, in a day or a week. It's, it's, it's what happens as a result of that time. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm a much more, I hope, I, I like to think I'm a much more humble person. I'm certainly a much more vulnerable person, um, than I was before I hit the wall. Um, and I'm, I've become comfortable it's, been, it's taken a lot of work, a lot of my own you know, therapy as a client myself, but I'm at a place where I'm just much more comfortable with not meeting external ex- expectations of who I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be.
0: I love all that. the suffering, of course, yeah, that you went through. And, and unfortunately, it seems to me that that's what it takes. Most of us to really realize what really matters in lives, what really matters, what matters to us really, what is our truth, and that is sad to say even because I went through a lot of suffering to realize certain things. How do you define success these days, Wallace?
2: Yeah, so that's a that's a great follow on question, Valeria, because it's so different. You know, as I mentioned for decades and decades um you know i define success based upon um these external kind of western notions of material success status you know um money climbing the corporate tree ladder you know um and 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 not just me i mean that's a that's a trap that you know hundreds of millions of people have have been pulled into. Um, and so um, for me now, you know, success is really relational. It's really, you know, um, you know, to what extent am I connecting with and supporting my kids as a father? Um, not supporting them financially, all, you know, all of that matters, but to what extent, and my kids are all young adults now, you know, but, but to what example am I supporting, to what extent am I supporting their, um, you know, their development as, as human beings? Um, you know, uh, to what extent am I, um, uh, making uh, a difference in the world for people? rather than for investors or shareholders or, and, and I'm not saying that that can't be part of it. It's just, um, uh, uh, for me, success is, is no longer about all the sort of trappings, you know, the external Western trappings of success. And it's really about, um, uh, and not just for others, but for myself, you know, it's, um, uh, you know, am I, am I doing what I want to do and, you know, is, is, do my daily efforts result in consonance or do they result in dissonance? Um, and most days now they result in consonance, And so for me, that's a huge marker of success.
0: Is that the same definition, your same definition for happiness, success and happiness, same
2: thing? Uh-huh. So that's interesting. Um, I, I think that it's connected. So when we talk about happiness... Um, One of the things that we know, and not just my experience or your experience, but we know from, you know, reams and reams and reams of research that um, uh, even if we can kind of define happiness, um, and I think people kind of get a sense of when they're happy, you know, it's sort of a feeling of contentment, a lack of stress, ease, happy, you know, they they, they feel good about where they are. Um, And when I say where they are, I mean, both literally and metaphorically where they are. Um, but, but the challenge with happiness as, as kind of an objective is that even when we achieve it, it tends to be pretty ephemeral. <laughs> it tends to be pretty temporal. Like it just, it, it's, it's nice to feel it, but it's not something that typically lasts very long. Um, uh, and it sure as hell doesn't last very long if, if the source of the happiness is, you know, acquiring something. You know, that we don't have, for example, um, uh, I think if happiness is more relational, it's a little bit more sustainable um, uh, and a little bit um, less kind of fragile. Um, but I think one of the challenges, particularly that we see in Western society and one of the reasons that people are so damn unhappy <laughs> is that they just bust their asses day in, day out, week in, week out, you know, to, to, to acquire things to acquire status, to acquire money, to acquire, um, uh, achievements. Um, and, and if that's the path, it just never ends. You know, even if when you achieve something and you feel happy for a moment or a day or a week that tends to pass and you got to get back on the damn treadmill again. So true. This is a, Actually, one
0: of the topics of our conversation today, that uh, work and money, you know, that the contradiction even behind all that work, happiness, and how much of that's really worth it. So I'll be asking you those questions in a moment. Okay. I have a, another open question for you. What would you say is the purpose of your life at this time, the main purpose?
2: Yeah. So interestingly, when I, when I you know, was in that sort of crisis phase, when I had hit the wall and, and you know, my soul just sort of bubbled up and said, no more <laughs> and sort of took charge. Um, one of the things I did at that, you know, when I was doing that work was um, I, I, um, I drafted a, a personal vision statement, you know, kind of what I wanted to be true in my life going forward. And, and one of the things I said in that vision statement was something to the effect of, I'm paraphrasing, but that, you know, I wanted people that associated with me to be better off in some way for that association. Um, and I said, I wanted the world to in some small way be better off as a result of my efforts. And so, you know, my core purpose today um, uh, is really about, um, you know, how, how does, how does the way that I engage life and people, how does that support, you know, some level of, health some level of well-being some level of um, you know how do I help people um, uh, grow how do I help myself grow uh, and and do it relationally versus you know God God forbid you know my purpose being you know a certain promotion or you know getting to a certain salary or you know supporting you know an acquisition, <laughs> You know, that results in, you know, big equity gains for people Uh, that, uh, you know, that's fine if that's what people do Um, and there's value in that. It's just, it has nothing to do with my purpose today.
0: Well, it's beautiful listening to you. Yes. It's the impact, the contribution we make in our relationships and hopefully in this reality. So that makes a lot of sense to me. It resonates true to my own heart. So I wanted to expand that idea of purpose. If there was one purpose to this experience called life, what would that be?
2: Yeah, well, so you're getting into some big stuff, (laughs) Valeria. Um, And I would say, but you know, so I'll I'll try to give kind of what my maybe inadequate answer to that question would be. Um, But before I do that, I, I think there's a connection between what we're talking about now and what we talked about just a little while ago, which is, you know, we talked about this idea of what is happiness. Um, and oh, whoops, hold on just one second. My my puppy yeah. is chewing on a toy. <laughs> I
0: thought so. That's cute. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Within that, answering that question about one purpose, a purpose of life, and then I hear the the puppy play. Yeah, well, it's, huh. so, it's so wonderful. And, <laughs> yes.
2: and, and, and like four or five years ago, I would have been like, <laughs> you know, like you know, petrified, mortified right. that that happened. <laughs> oh my God, how embarrassing. Yeah. And, I, you know, my, I'm in the uh, middle of this interview and, and all of a sudden there's, you hear a chew toy squeaking in the background. Uh, and, I, you know, that was actually, a re- I think, a really helpful thing to happen because at this point in my life, that doesn't matter, right? Like, okay, so there's a dog chewing on a toy. It's going to be in the background of the interview. Yeah. That's the deal. That's life. That's, mm. you know, um, yeah. and... You know, and my little dog was you know, happy to chew on a on a toy and (laughs) and that's fine. (laughs) Um, So back to the question. Um uh so I think um another way to look at um the question about happiness is should that even be what we're pursuing? Like um you know, talk about it being temporal and, you know, kind of get stuck on that, on that treadmill. It may be that it makes much more sense to be pursuing purpose um, than happiness. Um, and so how I would connect that to your question, like kind of what's the, <laughs> the purpose of life um, from my perspective. And again, this is going to be a, probably a wholly inadequate answer. Um, but I think um, uh, it, you know, Purpose really has to be, um, connected to something that has some kind of legacy beyond just like immediate benefit for you, um, or even for others. That, you know, there are certain things I've come to understand that just matter more than other things. So as an example, um, It's much, much more important that um, that my relationship with my kids be additive and that, you know, I, to the extent possible, um, am a teacher and a teacher of things that matter to them. Right. Um, Or that, um, you know, from in terms of my professional work, this idea that I've moved from kind of the corporate suite into work as a as a mental health clinician um, the the purpose of that is to um, is to create a, a situation where it's much much more likely that my efforts actually achieve what I put in that personal vision statement. You know, um, if I'm and it doesn't, you know, you don't have to be a mental health counselor for this to be true. You can do lots and lots of things, but the idea being that. Um, you know, sometimes we in, we invest a huge amount of our time and efforts and career choices and all relationship choices um, in things that are probably not um, – th- that are going to have, you know, potentially positive outcomes. Um, but those outcomes are probably not going to be connected to purpose. They're probably going to be connected to things that are much more transactional. Um, oh, here's that squeaker toy again. Oh, my
0: God. When that happened, it's just uh, hearing the toy, you know, it just took me to a completely different almost like realm in yeah. a sense of what's the purpose of this and then this, just to have fun, enjoy every moment we have here. Yeah,
2: and I think that's so important, Valerie, because it's. Not, I think also sometimes people, and I probably suggested this just in my answers today, but I think sometimes we think of, of purpose as having to be this like, you know, huge cosmic thing. Right. This, you know, life changing. It it can be that. Right. But but we cannot. But purpose can also be connected to, you know, um, having enough appreciation for the moment and for the serendipity of life. That we just don't get freaked out about things like a dog chewing on a toy during an interview.
0: Yes, you see? Yes, a billion times to that. (laughs) Yeah, beautifully said. Right. That we can somehow just kind of live that goodness, that greatness that's already here, that we all have, which has to do with patience, with kindness, with love, with resilience. All these beautiful qualities, I would say.
2: Yeah. And I think, um, what, I think a lot of the distress that we feel as humans, malaria, you know, distress and dissonance, um, comes from things that if we were able to take a step back, if we were able to be sort of more present in the moment and a little bit, you know, less judgmental and a little bit less affected by these sort of external, um, uh, external, um, standards, um, you know, we would feel a hell of a lot less distress and dissonance um, if we were just a little bit smarter about what actually matters and what doesn't.
0: (laughs) The discernment, right? Yeah, that's actually, it's called wisdom. When we actually know how to navigate this reality, choosing what will benefit us at that level, Mm -hmm. the mental, the spirit. And speaking of, of spirit, do you have any kind of spiritual ideas philosophies views
2: yeah I, I do and, and and that's also if you had asked me that question you know three or four years ago um, my answer would have been a lot different um, part and I and I said purposely you know that that my it was my soul that kind of bubbled up and said you know and kind of grabbed me by the lapels and said enough (laughs) you know um (laughs) I my my you know I I I, when I was working with I'm still working now today but in in the the height of my you know let's call it crisis um I was working with uh, a therapist and I you know, and I kept referring to um, what had happened to me as kind of my breakdown. Um, and he kept saying, no, it's your spiritual awakening. Um, and so, so kind of my, my thought about spirituality, just based on my own experience is, is quite a bit different. And, and, and I will, you know, be very forthcoming and saying, I don't connect, and for me personally, I don't connect spirituality to religion or to some kind of higher power. Um, There may or may not be something like that. But for me, when I think of spirituality, I think of connectedness to something bigger than myself. Um, I think of spirituality is being open to, you know, the sublime and the grace that exists all around us. Um, Yes, we also, there's also evil you know, around us. Um, uh, there's also suffering. Um, but this idea that um, there really is something bigger than ourselves. Um, and, uh, you know, it could be a combination of um, wisdom and, uh, and awareness, mindfulness. Um, um, but I do really see you know, the spirit or the soul as integrated with, but also separate from mind and body. Um, and what I mean by that is to my own experience, but also my work as a clinician now as a counselor, um, I witness it all the time. I mean, you know, I'm working with clients who um, are going through all kinds of things, you know, and there's this cognitive component, there's this affective component Um, There's a somatic, this body component. Um, and then every now and then there's this thing that doesn't fit any of that. (laughs) Right? It's this sort of you know sublime connection to something beyond what we can really explain in the moment, um, but that's real. Um, and I think when I think of spirituality, I think of this notion of um, uh, these things that sometimes we can't really explain, um, you know, they may not be sort of, uh, objective, um, but we connect, you know, it's like, um, you know, when you're, when you're, you know, out in the country or the mountains, you know, at night and there's no ground, ground light and you look up at the Milky Way, um, and there are, you know, so many stars, they look like clouds, Um, that's, that's a moment of a spiritual moment. I think for a lot of people, it's kind of a wow moment. Like, you know, we're not just part of something bigger. We're part of something that is no pun intended astronomically bigger, like, um, uh, and not something we actually have to understand necessarily. Just, just something I think if we connect with it, we're better off than if we don't connect with it. If we notice it, if we're aware of it, I think we're better off than if we're not.
0: I love the way you say that because uh, that's my spiritual understandings too and knowledge about all this. When you say something bigger than ourselves, now I don't think about God, I don't think about anything outside of me. Mm-hmm. See when you talk about the mind and some things that we cannot understand, we cannot explain. And it might be just because the mind is an experience within consciousness, if there's a name for it. It's almost like the eyes looking at the eyes, seeing it themselves. And that's incredible when it happens. Not all of us uh, have this experience. So maybe that's why for some of us we are very much within living from uh, the realm of the mind, only from the things we can explain and we can understand, it will be a much longer path per se to really see uh, the bigger picture of what this is. Yeah, that's fascinating to just notice that the mind is being actually observed. It, mm-hmm. it is an experience of consciousness because I can hear my own thoughts now. Something is mm. watching that. So what is watching all this? Hear my voice? It, it has to be the bigger thing that you speak of.
2: And you made a comment a little a few minutes ago, Leroy, that I think is really important, which is for a lot of us, right, um be, be, because of lack of awareness, because of lack of mindfulness, because of um, uh, so, you know, whether it's whether it's intentional or not, um, being so deeply buried in kind of the pursuits of the day-to-day, we often need um, that we're so deep into that, um, that the, that it takes some kind of, Train wreck, yeah. yes. <laughs> some kind of crisis, to uh, to pull us out of it. Um, you know, we, we we typically don't just wake up one morning and say, "Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something has to kind of slap us in the face." Um, uh, and, and 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 I think that you know, I think that speaks to in some ways. Um, the 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 difference right the the sort of quantity the the qualitative difference between spirituality or wisdom or mindfulness and sort of the day-to-day that it takes something out of the ordinary it takes something substantial to sort of to help us see Um, because otherwise we just get we're head down we're nose down and we just don't notice
0: That's exactly. Unfortunately, I have to say, sadly, that's what it takes for them to change focus, really. It's a perception thing. Mm -hmm. You know what comes to mind is a a very good example from Vedanta. It's one of the the philosophies that I Mm -hmm. follow that they. Talk about the sun and the earth that we are actually, it's most people, they watch the sunset and that's what we believe in, what we see that the sun's, it's uh, moving, right? It's going mm-hmm. down, but actually we are, we are moving. Exactly. So it's changing that perspective. If we change every, it's just, it's incredible how if we learn to see it differently, but then would anything change? It wouldn't. It would be the same. Even though we, we are upside down, it doesn't change a thing. It feels mm-hmm. the same. So that's what it's fascinating when we go deeper into spirituality, is that even if we wanted to see God mm-hmm. or find and experience the ultimate light or whatever it is, enlightenment, in the end it looks like this. <laughs> it's still mm-hmm. the same. It's still the human experience as it is. It doesn't change. The reality, it's still the same. The dream, per se, it, it's mm-hmm. still the same. That's to me, has been one of the biggest uh, revelations of all. Like It's really incredible. So this is God experiencing self-consciousness.
2: Yeah, and I was having a conversation um, with a, a niece of mine um, uh, just yesterday um, before I left Salt Lake City, and um, we were talking about kind of the you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's a dirty trick <laughs> in a way, uh-huh. you know, that we humans, that we have this self-awareness and we have this, um, you know, capacity for contemplation and we, um, you know, and we, and we feel deep emotion and on the, you know, on the one hand, you know, that's an incredible thing. It's a, it's a gift on the other, on the other hand, it's also the source of a lot of suffering.
0: <laughs> uh, yes. Ah, uh, isn't you know? it?
2: Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I and I asked her this kind of you know I asked her this question I asked her this philosophical question I said, you know, if you know, would you give up any of that you know sort of self awareness and and emotional experience et cetera Would you give that up in return for less suffering? Um, you know, and and she said no. You know, and she's a twenty two year old young woman who's kind of finding her way and. And, and and she's been, you know, struggling a little bit lately with some things and and e- even so, you know, at 22, she kind of had this wisdom, which was, yeah, I get that all the things that make us human um, are also the source of a lot of pain and, and, and suffering, but I wouldn't give it up.
0: And I have heard that for so many people, too, who have had been through an incredible amount of suffering, just so much suffering. And when I asked the question, would, do you regret anything? Would you change anything? They would say no. Yeah. It really feels like the, the choices are this, to be aware of the, of the dream of this reality as it is, or blackness or nothing just the absence of this. Actually, it's not non-existence. It's just the absence of experience. Mm -hmm. So it has been said that uh, you probably have heard about mind continuation and rebirth and all that, that the more goodness we do here, the more understanding of this deep truth Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. everything's connected, is one thing happening, then the other life's will have; they will be much lighter,
2: per se, less
0: suffering. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That kind of resonates with me too, Wallace. So that might well, be
2: true. Uh, yeah, and I and I would say that that I have a a, a slightly different take on that, which is which is that um and it, and it took it took me to go to a you know to have a fairly life changing, maybe almost life ending crisis to come to this understanding, but but kind of my take on that is um. Even, even if you know, quote, doing good in this life did not support you know in some kind of karmic way, um, you know, a, a lighter path, an easier path going forward. I, I would still do it. Like, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, I'm in a place where that that purpose for me is enough, um, and I, I'm not really engaging in what I'm doing for some other future reward, um, that I'm just, I'm finally in a place where I have enough understanding to say, you know what, even if it doesn't do anything else, I'm still better off and the world is still better off. And that's going to be my motivation.
0: And that's another profound one that there's no time so there's no something happening after this right. or nothing ever happened. So whatever we experience, it's just here now. And this is the forever infinite. So it's already happening anyway. If it is happening here, it's already happening in the the so-called future. So that's a beautiful, beautiful way of seeing. And I'm so glad you um you came to that understanding. That might be the most profound one of all.
2: Yeah, I think so. It was um, uh, and and I, but I also, as part of this process, you know, for the first time in my life, also began to build a mindfulness practice, um, which I think was probably necessary to 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 get to that next level as well. I I just don't think we have those kinds of I don't think we come to those conclusions in the absence of mindfulness. Because um, we're just too damn distracted by by, yes.
0: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> yes.
2: by, by the by the storm that's <laughs> raging around us.
0: So I want to mention the books that you have written, too. The Lights Are On is Everybody Home, Education in America, and also Leadership in the Real World. Mm. Hard-won lessons from 20 years as a chief executive in turbulent times. So these are the two books that I came across, but I know you wrote another one that I've seen there, but I don't have the title here. There's a third one, right, Wallace?
2: Yeah, well, there's a third one I'm working on now. So um, the, the leadership book is kind of interesting because it, it, it really reflects a transition. It was sort of pre-crisis, but, but intuiting that something was going on. <laughs> you know, um, uh, and so that... That book was started long before COVID and, and kind of finished or published in the middle of COVID. Um, and it is a, a kind of a different perspective on leadership. It's a very, very people-driven perspective on leadership. So that evolution was beginning to happen. I just didn't know where it was going. <laughs> um, uh, um and 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 the and the book I'm working on now, we'll see, you know, what where that how, where that goes and what comes of it. Um, but also a book that I began, um, geez, I think in like 2017. Um, and and the closest thing I could describe it as is would be a, would be a memoir. I, I don't know if that is the right word or not, um, um, but it's the most personal thing I've ever written. Um, and it's it is going to be really interesting, at least to me. I don't know if be interesting to anybody else, but because because the story starts and I began writing it pre pre crisis, um, and I'll be finishing it post crisis, and so there's going to be a real clear, I think, kind of distinction between how I perceived you know my life and how I perceived um, that journey. Um, Leading, but before I, I had the kind of um, before I was broken open. That's what Elizabeth Lesser refers to it. Before I was broken open, Um, and now, so um, uh, it really, I I think it'll, I think it'll be very visible to anyone who would read it. (laughs) That sort of before and after, and my goal was going to be, you know, to connect those two pieces in a, in in kind of a, um, you know, coherent way. Um, And we'll just see. But it's going to be more along the lines of the conversation we're having today um, than than the previous things I've written.
0: You caught my curiosity. I I wanted to ask you more questions, actually. This conversation was not about this, but you really got me to be curious about it. So please let me know when the book's out. I'd love to interview you again and then share the message. I love your message. Uh, I love how also how genuine you are, very present and very... Present to what is present to you, so that becomes this reality, which you're bringing me in your reality, and it's beautiful to witness.
2: Thank well, you. It's very, it's very kind of you, Larry. I appreciate it, and I, and I will and I will tell you that the the reality. I mean, if I'm if I'm you know if I'm transparent and open and honest, um, that um, that genuineness um, uh, probably did not exist at the level it exists, not probably, I know it didn't exist at the level it does now, before I hit the wall, before I was broken open. Um, It really took that, it took that sort of severe um, awakening, let's call it. (laughs) Um, It was very hard earned. uh, Let's put it that way. Um, But I, but I feel way more confidence in my life overall than I ever did. Uh, And so that's what kind of tells me that I'm on the right path.
0: Yes. And every time I hear you, because I can relate to it, obviously. So I'm sorry for what you went through. I can hear even when you're saying the pain that was experienced or it's still in you somewhere. And that's one of the questions that I often ask here. Why do we suffer? Why do we suffer? Why do we need to suffer in order to realize some important things. That's one of my questions that so many people answered, but I don't remember them all, of course. <laughs> so I would ask you, we're almost at the end. I know I apologize for being late to begin this interview, as I always am. My guests, they
2: all know, and I trust them all,
0: <laughs> my problem with time and space. So yes, please, Wallace, if you could.
2: Yeah. So um, and, and I guess we'll, we'll try to wrap up with that. Um, and, I'll, and I, you know, as I, as I so first of all, being broken open, but then moving in, you know, making this commitment to, you know, to service and and, move, and changing my career into one of clinical mental health. Um, I, you know, I, I do, I, I use a, a therapy called um one, it's one of the many therapies I use, but it's called DBT, dialectical behavior therapy. Um, and I use that with particular folks um, um, often in group settings, both group and individual. And there's, there's a, um, it's a, really a fascinating kind of therapy. The base of the therapy is it's it's um, it's Buddhist at some level. Um, it's also highly practical. It's very kind of what we call psychoeducational and skills based. But there's an element of it that I um, that I'm really drawn to, which is this idea of pain versus suffering. And and I think the answer to your question is. One of the reasons that we kind of have to suffer when, when we do, right, is because in the absence of suffering, we just don't pay attention enough to figure crap out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, yes.
2: Um, <laughs> suffering is this incredible catalyst for kind of forcing us to pay attention. Um, uh, and in the absence of that, we just kind of bumble along. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, so, so I think, I think suffering is a really, um, uh, important part of the human experience just because it's, it, it helps bring enlightenment. Um, but I would also say that I don't think it has to be a necessary state. Like one of the things that DBT says is, you know, suffering is inevitable, but but it is possible for us to sort of shift from suffering to pain with you know and and, and pain is an in an, an inevitable um, uh, unavoidable element of the human experience it just we you you cannot avoid pain if you are alive right and if you live long enough, you will deal with a lot of hard stuff that's just kind of the deal. <laughs> Um, But I think it is possible to sort of shift from suffering to pain. Um, And I think part of that shift is in DBT, something called radical acceptance. You know, I, I think our failure to accept certain things is what keeps us in suffering rather than that shift to pain, if that makes sense.
0: It makes absolute sense. And I was just waiting for you to say that, acceptance. <laughs> but yes, coming from that place of inner peace, right? Just being so open to life and the experience of being in the body, experienced in the body. Then it it, it creates, um, it's almost like lessen. It does lessen the pain. I have experienced that too. So it's uh, the more we resist, the more painful it becomes. That's what my experience has communicated to me.
2: I, I think so. Um, and unfortunately, as I mentioned before, I, I, I am ready to see a client right now, so we have to end the conversation for today. But I, I'm really looking forward for the next version, whenever that is. I know. Yeah, that'll be
0: fun. <laughs> before we say goodbye for today, Wallace, I want to thank you again for your beautiful presence and work and everything that could be felt here today. And also, what's the best place to find more information about you, to learn more about you? Yeah,
2: so I think a couple people can go to... Um, My website, I have a few websites, but the one I would send them to is um, www.ideapathway. It's all one word, ideapathway.com. And they can see all kinds of stuff on education and leadership and health and well being. It's kind of all there.
0: Wonderful. So I'll have that link on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again.
2: Take care, Valeria. We'll see you.
0: You too. Bye for now. Bye bye.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Wallace K. Pond and his work, please visit ideapathway.com.
0: To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.